I'm Crystal Escobar. This is episode number 73, Parenting After Mormonism. Welcome to the Mormon Enlightenment Podcast, hosted by Wannabe Balanced. My name is Crystal Escobar. And I'm Sean Escobar. This podcast started out as a self-help podcast for moms and has transformed into a documentation of our journey out of Mormonism. Our goal is to make it safe for others to live their authentic life, break free from social norms and limiting beliefs, and inspire others to courageously share their truth. In February 2018, Sean published a recording between him and the man who sexually abused him as a child. This man was the director of the most recent Temple Endowment video, and the story was featured on the front page of the New York Times. Sean has become a powerful advocate for victims of sexual abuse. Crystal founded the Wannabe Balanced brand in 2010 and recently published her first book. Now we have decided to partner up and grow this special post-Mormon community. We want people to feel safe to follow their hearts, even if that means leaving one's lifelong religion. Not only should they feel safe to leave, they should be able to do so with their dignity intact. Good morning, Mormon Enlightenment. <laughs> hey, uh, it's good to be with you. Uh, excited to talk to you day, today about parenting after Mormonism. Uh, before we get started, we had someone post a great message. Um, a new member of our Mormon Enlightenment group on Facebook posted a message about her upbringing and her experience in Mormonism. In one part, she talked about um, her childhood in Mormonism. So I wanted to read part of that to you because it sure resonated with me, different parts of it. Uh, it says here, and just bear with me because I want to... It says here... Both of my parents dated for a short period of time. Both pre presented false and inauthentic versions of themselves that were centered around the want and need to appear as spiritual and invested in the church as possible. The ideals of the church and my mother's desire to be like all other good Mormon families created chaotic and ab abusive hidden environment behind closed doors. Family prayer, scripture study, and my father's lack of a testimony were constant topics of contempt and argument in the home. My parents were married for over 25 years, and I don't believe one year of those they spent together were happy. My sisters and I were raised with strict pioneer work ethic and a regimen-like mentality. Uh, a regime, excuse me, a regime-like mentality. Early morning, wake up at 5.30 a.m. to practice the piano, then violin, study our scriptures, and attend accelerated academic schools. Our afternoons and weekends were filled with homework, tedious, nonstop housework, and, and chores. There was no such thing as good enough, clean enough, smart enough, polite enough. The pressure placed on young children was enormous. It seemed the only thing that mattered was presenting to the outside world a perfect family. This competitive mindset in the ward was all always full of comparison, mistrust, and constant judgment. We grew up believing that we needed to perform roles in order to get our needs met. Um... Me, myself, I was too loud, too bossy, too much of a leader, too logical, too questioning of authority, and too bold to be a perfect Mormon girl. And she goes on to say how hard the teen years were and how this went on to form uh, one of the things she says in here about trauma. And so I learned all of the unspoken rules that LDS culture demands. It will not tolerate challenging authority, standing up for and recognizing injustice and oppression, especially from women. Um... It just goes on. It's so good, the whole thing. You need to be in our group. You need to read these things because it's amazing. 
Yeah, I loved reading that. I like <laughs> I was in tears like the whole time. It just uh, so much of it was just so true. And it's just kind of heartbreaking once you realize all of this. And I don't think you realize it until you leave. And then you kind of look back on your life and your childhood and um, all your years in the church and things become so much more apparent. And you're just you just start to realize more and more the the brainwashing and the different things that we experienced that caused us to do the things that we're doing now, even with our own children, um, you know, like autopilot where I think, um, subconsciously we just kind of, um, parent on autopilot. We tend to do things the way our parents did, um, things, you know, when, when we were growing up, the way they parented us and, but I think the the best part of this whole awakening, this faith crisis, faith transition, it has really allowed us to take a step back and question everything, not just question our beliefs and question the religion and do all that kind of research and study and analyzation, but it also has really allowed us to question ourselves and our, the way that we are parenting. And we've been out of the church a year and a half now, and it's definitely been a process. And I think in the beginning for me, I had, I wasn't even like thinking about parenting in the beginning. Like I just needed to get myself well, you know? So, but now I feel like I'm, I've, I'm in such a good place. Like, no, I think for me, it was like me first. Like I had to get, you know, get myself well. And then we had to go through the marriage stuff and, and that was a process and we shared all that. And, and then now I think I've been shifting my focus a little bit more on our parenting style and really trying to decide and, you know, how we want to go, go about parenting moving forward. And, you know, a lot has already shifted in the way we have begun parenting our children since leaving the church. But I think there's still a lot of work to be done. And Sean and I are noticing it about ourselves. But I feel like I, like Sean and I, you know, have had a lot of conversations, especially more recently, as far as, you know, how do we do this? You know, like, maybe the way we've been doing it is not necessarily the right way. Maybe the way our parents did it is not the right way. Or maybe the way our parents didn't do it is, you know, like, I think we're always going back to our childhood and be like, well, my parents did this, and this caused me to do that. And, you know, like, for me, especially, I'm always like, well, my mom did this, and and it caused me to do this. And, And I think we're always trying to dig up um, experiences from our past to see, to make sense of, well, maybe this is how we should do it because this is how my parents did it, or this is how my parents didn't do it. But maybe there's a whole new way of seeing it. Maybe we need to just throw that out altogether and approach it in a completely different way because the Mormon mentality runs so deep in us. And I think since you know, reading The Conscious Parent, The Awakened Family by Dr. Shafali Sabari. I've learned so much. And then I've been also listening to other um, people that have really been inspiring to me. One of them right now who I'm really fascinated by is Teal Swan on YouTube. She's a spiritual intuitive. She actually grew up in a break off a cult, you know, like um, break off of the Mormon church. And she talks about how she had ritualistic sexual abuse um, performed on her for years and she so she grew up in Utah and anyway she's been on this spiritual path for many years and has been on YouTube for many years and teaches so many amazing things and 
I've learned so much from just watching her videos. And so I wanted to kind of go down the list of some of the things that I learned from her and from kind of a combination of the different tips that Dr. Uh, Shivali or Dr. Shivali Sabari <laughs> has taught me as well in a com- in combination with Teal Swan and just kind of um, candidly talk about these things with Sean and you know we're gonna because this is all still new for us I think we are still very much using the whole like punishment um, authority type teachings to our children don't you think like you need to fall in line you need to do what we say I think less and less yeah yeah I think things are shifting and I think our children are starting to respond to that and actually starting to act more (laughs) you know what I think that that kind of repressive suppressive um, parenting actually creates little robots and it's amazing how once you treat your children like human beings with their own independent soul um then they start to, the personality starts to come out in them. Uh, it's been really cool to see that with our oldest too, um, the personality. You look at him and you go, where'd that come from? I didn't teach you that. And, you know, it's just there. Um, but I think in order to uncover it, we have to make them feel safe, which is one of the things that I'm learning about control. And first of all, I just really quick, before we go into these points that Crystal's mentioned, I just want to dismiss this notion that raising pe- raising kids in a Mormon church is better. Um, I know that that is the perception. That's what we see on the package. In fact, I've, I've even talked to people that are not Mormon, and they say, well, I'm not Mormon, but I sure do respect the way they, they sure do raise some good kids. You know, they, I, they appear to raise some good kids. And I want to dismiss that because I was raised in a Mormon community, I was raised in Salt Lake City, Utah, which is Zion, they call it. Um, I was raised around all Mormons. I wasn't active in the church until my teen years. But I will tell you that Mormon kids get into a lot of stuff. Um, That was my experience. I always, one of the reasons I probably had a hard time with the the Mormon church in my early teens is because I saw active Mormon teens doing all kinds of things that was unbecoming of, you know, Mormons. They were doing stuff they weren't supposed to be doing, like drugs, like sex stuff, like, uh, you know, language, everything else under the sun, theft. I saw this, and um, I wouldn't say that I judged it until a little later on when I got, you know, up on my high and mighty. You know, I just figured kids will be kids, but now I've identified something. The Mormon kids get into more stuff than the non-Mormon kids. Um, I actually can identify that from my my uh, grade school all the way up, you know, my, my childhood, especially high school. And now I'm seeing it with my, my oldest daughter, her friends. Um, we always say that suppression uh, leads to obsession, which can lead to addictions. But that suppression does lead to obsessions. And, and uh, I'm seeing it in our own, in, in the environment, the climate now. Um, Mormon kids, because they're told that that's forbidden, that is bad, that is... Mormon kids, I'm not going to sit here and tell you all the different things because I'm not trying to incriminate my daughter's friends, but even my own daughter is shocked um, by what some of her friends are are doing and saying and getting into, Um, and we're able to tell her, here's the reason why that is, and I just wanted to say that the beauty of this crystal is I'm finding a shift inside myself where I just am not feeling judgmental towards 
Mormons. It's kind of a cool shift for me. Yeah. I'm really excited about it because I'm not judging Mormons. I don't want to judge Mormon teens. I don't want to judge Mormon parents. I don't want to even judge some of these Mormon leaders because, um, you know what? We were all in it and we're all victims. And um, even if Mormons, you know, even if they do something stupid, which you you all know that recently I've dealt with a couple dumb things that, that Mormons have done to me and my kids, but we have to give them a pass because a lot of that is cult-like programming and brainwashing firing off. Yeah. And so I don't even judge my kids' friends uh, for things they say. You know, on one hand, they could say to my daughter, well, don't you go to church? Why don't you go to church? And then in the same breath, they'll be dropping every F-bomb, <laughs> every swear word under the sun and talking about, you know, what they uh, want to do sexually and yeah. stuff like that. So that's the the, the environment. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Crystal, so excited about this. I feel like we're making big shifts with parenting. Oh, yeah. I, I feel really good about it. Um, I was scared. and And to be truthful, like... I was scared that, oh boy, are we going to regret not having a religion for our children to to have that? Because people would say things in the church like, well, I, at least I, at least they have young women's. I know they're not listening to me, <laughs> but at least they have their young women's leaders. And it kind of worried me. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely felt a lot of fear about that as well. Like, oh, like, well, how do we raise our kids? And I had, I felt so confused and lost in the beginning. And I just kind of put it on the back burner because I had no clue where to begin. I'm like, do I just keep trying to teach them the same morals and values that the church teaches? Or do I want to stay away from that? Do I still keep practicing like the authority and obedience principles? And I don't know, I just felt like everything was so up in the air and I couldn't really make sense of it. And so I just kind of, I really did. I just put it on the back burner for a while and I didn't really even it just felt so overwhelming. I didn't even know where to begin. But now that I feel like I'm in a much better place mentally and our, our marriage is more stable, I I feel like, okay, now we can probably focus a little bit more on how we parent moving forward. And the cool thing is that I have much more clarity now than I did in the beginning, which reminds me of something that Teal Swan said in one of her videos that, you know, you you have to wait for, the, it's like stepping into a lake of the, where there's sand at the bottom or dirt, mud. You step into it and it, all the mud comes up and it's just, the water is all um, foggy. And you, it, our initial response is, ah, I'm scared. I, I need to have answers. I need to be able to see. I need to know what to do. But she just advises, just wait for the, for the dirt to settle. And then the water will become clear again. And I feel like that's exactly my experience, you know, like we really did just have to wait on this whole parenting thing because I had no clarity whatsoever. I had no direction. And now that the the dirt has settled and the water is clear again, I feel like I have so much more clarity and understanding of, around parenting. And it's, it, everything just makes more sense now um, when I apply it all to myself and and how I want to go, how I want to live my life, how I want to be moving forward. I hope to just instill those same types of things for my children or be that example. And um, so I wrote down some of these points that I wanted to share. And we have not yet really discussed these things yet or have begun. You know, we, I think we've integrated some of these things. But 
to me, all of it resonated, but I also wanted to get Sean's opinion and, you know, we can kind of talk back and forth about what, what your opinion is on, on certain things that she said. Okay. Um, but of course, our old way of doing things are, you know, like we are the authority. We are in charge. You need to follow our rules. Do what we say. <laughs> I think that's kind of like the mentality as parents. Like that, this is our job. We're supposed to tell you what to do. And you're supposed to uh, obey us at all times and follow the, our rules. And, and um, you know, we have the punishment award uh, approach. You know, we may even find fault or criticize. I know I have. Um, I don't think you've really done that. <laughs> You're really good about that. But, you know, I, I, I criticize a lot um, in a way that I didn't really realize I was criticizing my own kids. But, you know, telling them like, gosh, why can't you keep your room clean? Why can't you do this? Why do you always do that? You know, so that's a lot of criticism. And now looking back, I'm realizing, wow, I do criticize my kids a lot unintentionally. Um, I don't I didn't realize I was criticizing them until now looking back and realizing just my words, the way I use my words could seem very critical to my kids. Um, I think as parents, we, we feel this desire to want to save them from everything. We want to do, we want to take care of them and we want to save them from pain and sadness and, <laughs> and um, experiencing any of that, those hard emotions. We kind of just want to save them. Um, we definitely, in do a lot of lecturing and <laughs> threats on my part. I do a lot of threats. Like I threat, but I don't usually follow through. <laughs> I make threats, but I don't usually follow through. Yeah. But if, if we're just owning each of each of these things, then I do want to save my children. I don't want my children to experience pain. Yeah. So I can relate to that. And I, and crystals help me a lot of times with stuff like that. Like Sean, it's okay. Like it's okay for our kids to be bored. It's okay for our kids to have to figure out what to do. It's okay for our kids to to experience sadness and regret and loss and pain. And they need to learn how to feel these emotions and, and process and, and sit with that. Um, and I have always been like the fixer, right? Yeah, yeah. Which I love. You have a big heart and you just, you don't like to see our kids sad. You don't like to see me sad. And I love that. It's very, it comes from love. <laughs> um and we do a lot of like ordering them around and expecting them to conform to what we tell them to do. So the, here's the new approach. Here's a couple uh, things that I, I liked that I wrote down. So what if our job is to simply be their guide, not instructing them and telling them what they need to do, what rules to follow? What if we simply take more of a guidance approach and assist them in figuring out their own rules? which is very hard. It's a, like, it, it feels like that's a big, like, I think that's a really hard thing as parents to do, like to let go of the control that we feel like we want to control, not in a bad way, but we want to control in a way that will keep them safe and will prevent them from experiencing anything hard or sad or difficult. The next one is to validate every emotion. We don't impose the adult perspective with all of our years of suppressing our our own emotions and we definitely learned in our childhood and in our religion and I think in society is I think we're kind of like shifting out of this whole mentality where we are taught to 
you know, we're, we're taught to suppress emotions. We want to put on a happy face. We want, um, our, we want our kids to put on a happy face. Uh, we tell them to stop acting a certain way. I know I've done it. I allow my kids to cry and be sad, but if they're being annoying, <laughs> like, uh, whining, then I tell them to stop it and I get angry about it. But that is a form of suppressing their emotions. Like why not help them feel whatever it is that they're feeling and help walk them through it instead of being so quick to be irritated by their emotions because obviously they are feeling something and that's how they are are expressing it. Yeah, so like a good example of that would be um, you want your kids to have a voice. And so it's easy to say, do not raise your voice at me. And then you take away privileges and punish and scold. And and I would probably... I've, I've done that a lot. If they raise their voice at their mom, like that's a big no-no for me. But even still, I've gotten better about that too. Not that they should raise their voice at their mother, but th- these are souls. We have to remove this dynamic of, I'm your parent and you have to respect your parents. It's one of the Ten Commandments and you have to honor your mother and your father and I'm older than you and all that bullshit has to go out the window. You will have a better relationship with your child, promise, uh, as soon as you start recognizing them as a soul. Even consider that their soul, their essence might be older than you. And just because they're on this journey at this this phase of their life, it's like I always used to say, nobody's better than me. Nobody's better than me. And this is one of the things that I say to give myself confidence. They might have started before me. I'll give them credit for that. Therefore, they might know a little more than me now, but they're not better than me because I'll catch up or I'll get, I'll, I'll, I'll get ahead of them. And so you got to treat your kids the same. Give them that level of respect of this is a soul. Um, everything you hope to teach that child, you had better hope you'd done it. If there is an age of accountability, (laughs) which of course, children are not old enough to decide that they want to take, you know, eternal commitments to a religion at eight years old. But guess what? About eight years old, I think is when everything's kind of solidified in the brain as far as their belief systems. So you better do a good job when they're young and they learn more by watching you than, than anything else. But Remove this notion that you're going to control them and twist them and bend them and mold them all through their teens. It ain't going to happen. you got to learn to start respecting them. And that's one of the cool things that I've seen is as we've started using these practices with Lily, her teens, um, in her teens now, 14, she's starting to respond. It's really cool. She's actually starting to talk to us. And she's not a talkative person. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by nature, she's very private, very calculated, very... She, she likes to sit there and think a lot. It drives Crystal crazy. She's like, gosh, can you just say something? <laughs> and I can relate to Lily because I love to just think. And sometimes people think I'm in a horrible mood. What is wrong with you? My whole childhood, my mom would say, what's wrong? And I'd be like, what? She'd be like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, nothing's wrong with me. Why are you talking to me like that? Because <laughs> I just get into deep thought like Lily. Yeah. Uh, so all these cool things start to happen when you treat your child as a person, not your child. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, such a good point that I definitely have noticed a shift in Lily. And as you and I have both begun to let down all of these uh, conditioned ways of parenting 
and we're starting to realize, wait a minute, maybe this is the same approach that the church takes. And maybe we want to stay as far away from that approach as possible. And um, no, that's not true. We don't want to go to the opposite end of the spectrum. We want to take an educated approach and we're just using a different means to educate ourselves. Yeah, I like that. Um, but yeah, I have noticed with Lily, she's definitely more talkative to me. And even just like last week, and I, I wanted to, we, I um, was just hanging out with her and I wanted to watch this movie with her. And she kept on talking throughout the movie. And that's like so not like her. And I just remember, I, it was like a movie that I really wanted her to watch. And she kept on just like talking. And I was like, I was at first I was like well, doesn't she want to watch this movie like this is such a good movie but then I'm like oh wait like she's talking to me so I was just like oh my gosh and I kind of realized wow this is so fun she like is just talking to me and even in the middle of a movie she just wants to tell me things and I love seeing the shift in her and that she's really opening up to me and telling me like everything she's telling me so many different things and it feels nice to just be more you know, like, I think we've always thought, like, well, we're not their friend. You know, we are their parent. We're not supposed to be their friends. And, and which I always, I don't know, I think I felt a little confused about that. But I'm like, but I want to be her friend. But then I also know that I need to be a parent by, um, you know, telling her what she can and can't do. But maybe I can still, I can, maybe it is okay to be her friend and just guide her and give her advice rather than tell her what she can and can't do. And we do to some extent, like just to be fair, um, because I don't want people to take just a snippet of this podcast and, and think that we said you, you don't have to parent your children. Uh, I listened to this uh, Safali's uh, audio book and uh, actually it was a podcast and you know, uh, yeah, I'm just going to call her Shafali. You said Safali. It is Shafali. Yeah. Anyway, um, I listened to Safali's uh, uh, audio book and in that book, um, you know, guys, you got to take everything you, Crystal has a hard time with me because she says I'm, I'm negative and too, uh, too critical and, but take everything you read with a grain of salt, everything you read, gather what works for you, leave behind what doesn't and approach everything just a little bit objective. So when Shapari, when she says, (laughs) stop it, you're making me lose my train of thought. If she wants me to pronounce her name right, then have an easier name, my <laughs> God. But if, if she wants, she'll paint this picture in the book. And and it, it she, it's not her intention, but, you know, she's selling a concept, okay? She is selling a concept. Doesn't It's not a bad thing. It's a good concept. But, you know, when we sell things, we don't oftentimes talk about, uh, you know, the objective parts of it the other end of the spectrum, so forth. So one of the questioners said, well, what do I do in this situation where my child says, I'm not going to help with the dishes. And then I say, I I need help with the dishes, please. And they say, absolutely not. I will not help with the dishes. Now, am I supposed to just acknowledge that this is a soul and I need to let this soul do what it wants to do? And then Shabbati said, she answered and she said, she just basically said, these rules don't always apply. Sometimes you have to put your foot down. And she said, I will be the first to admit that there's going to be times where children with undeveloped, underdeveloped brains, some of them undeveloped brains, ha ha, uh, they're going to need a little kick in the pants and you're going to have to discipline them a little bit. And she acknowledged that. And I thought, good for her, you know, because sometimes these concepts, let's just assume that any great concept, 10% of the time, you know, it doesn't work in a foolproof way 
but it's still effective. It is effective overall. So with that said, yes, every now and then we have to crack down on our kids still, and and that's okay, and we we do it, you know. But I think we do it actually with less authority. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. we do, yeah. which is cool, because mm-hmm. we're still acknowledging, you know, you're your own person, but, you know, you're expected to do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And it's not like we're coming down on them with, you know, with uh, the fear tactics and the... We're just telling them, like, sometimes you have to take a serious tone. And and our kids respond to that tone, which is nice. And one thing that I love, too, is the fact that there is a mother and a father figure. Like, you can have a slightly different approach. Like, we don't have to be 100% aligned in the way that we parent. I think for the most part, we do have to be in alignment. But we can both take a slightly different approach. And so I like your approach and with what feels right for you. And I feel good about my approach. And I think that's what we've kind of realized with each other, you know, as we've tried to (laughs) parent our children together, we've realized that, okay, well, this is how I'm going to do it. And it's okay if you want to do it a different way. Yeah. I just, as another example, because I think it helps to have these examples. um, If I'm, if I'm following Shablonki's advice, (laughs) then I know you're killing me with the laughing. No, I'm, I'm trying. Okay. Okay, Shablonki. If I'm following her advice around my daughter, Lily, then I'm not, see, as a Mormon, I was obsessively controlling, Crystal saw it, I was obsessively controlling my daughter around boys. That's not healthy. It's not good for her. It's not good for me. It's not good for any of us. I, I, be, I form an enemy. I've, she's afraid of me. She won't talk to me. She's probably going to want boys even more because of how I'm suppressing that. And so now it's interesting after having some education and, and, you know, and I've listened to a lot of podcasts and stuff like that. And you just have to do your due diligence and and learn. And you also have to start to observe your life. And what do you want? You know, Uh, do you want to be raising your kids the church way, even though you're out of the church? Because I'm sure that's happening a lot and it's not healthy. So I says to Lily, Lily, I would prefer that you not have a boyfriend until you are 17 or 18, you know, more of an adult age where you kind of have your own voice and, and you can make your own decisions and, you know, deal with those consequences and so forth. I would prefer that you don't have a serious boyfriend until then, you know, of course it's probably not going to happen, but you know, uh, I says, and cause I would prefer that you kiss all the boys. I just, uh, rather than just kissing one boy and, and getting serious with one boy, I prefer to just kiss them all, would you? <laughs> and, and I've just taken this approach of, you know, what's interesting is that's unlike me to say that. That's unlike me to be like, oh, Lily, you know, you know, and, and what's interesting about this whole concept is it works. Like Lily now will talk to me about boys. She's not afraid to talk to me about boys. She's not afraid to talk to me about things boys did. We're not afraid to talk about sex anymore. Sex used to be impossible to talk about. I'm not kidding. Like we couldn't even talk about it. Mm -hmm. Now I can talk to her about what is age appropriate sexually, what kind of sex acts are appropriate, what to look for, what to avoid, uh, why not to get that ball rolling because we're all, you know, horny, especially if you're ever Mormon, (laughs) we talk like this and it's great. It's really been a great thing. I'm so grateful for that. Um, I think that I sincerely believe that leaving the, the Mormon church has made me a better father. Yeah, totally. I love seeing the shifts in you around all this. It's been really awesome. Um, But I wanted to revisit the whole concept that we were talking about as far as like being their friend and letting them um, like, I think sometimes people may misinterpret the advice around 
not controlling and it's not like we just throw out all the the rules altogether and like we have no we don't have any expectations as far as what they're supposed to abide by I don't think that's really what her message is I think it's more like just trying to implement and implement as many choices for them as possible like you you decide on the choices like would you rather stay home and do the dishes and and get to stay out 30 minutes later or would you rather go now and you know like you just apply more choices you get to choose what choices but if they have more options and they feel like they are making choices within our parameters that we've set i heard you read something about not doing all of this punishing and rewarding and i i view that kind of incentivization as rewarding and i'm all for it like i, I think i heard her in the book maybe talk about how you shouldn't be you know, incentivizing in, in those ways. But I, I'm based on me and my track record and, and my career, I think incentivizing is very effective. I'm, some oh, people yeah. might think that's manipulative. I think it's just a very effective thing. I think negotiating in life is the, the, the better you get at negotiating in life, uh, the better off you'll be. Yeah, I agree. As far as like in, enforcing consequences, I like, I learned that, you know, like, you can still enforce consequences, but you do it with kindness and compassion, not punishment and lectures. So you can just kind of like, she used an example of like a, a child, a two-year-old takes his truck and like rams it into the sibling. And and instead of like grabbing the car and getting all angry and putting them in timeout, you simply take the, the car away and you say with kindness, oh, that's too bad you lost your car, you know? Like, so it's enforcing... You're, you're enforcing consequences. You're showing them that everything does have a consequence, but you're also maintaining this level of compassion. And I love that. And you don't have to be angry in order for them to learn a I lesson. I love that. We should never get angry. Yeah. And I've been guilty of that. Me too. <laughs> so sometimes we might feel like, oh my gosh, we've been doing it wrong. And then we feel a lot of like shame and um, we're, we feel like bad about how we've parented in the past or anything we've ever done that we make you know, that we feel like we've made mistakes. We're like, oh my gosh, we've spent all these years doing it wrong. But it's, I, I don't think we should ever um, put that kind of weight on us ever in life, you know, because all of our mistakes aren't so bad because mistakes always turn into wisdom. So we are learning as we go. And so we never have to beat ourselves up over things that we have failed to do in the past or, <laughs> you know, now looking back, we can say, oh, that probably wasn't the right approach. But we learn so much as we, you know, go through life and experiment and, and try different things out and in, in our own lives and in parenting. But one thing I wanted to say about also allowing our kids to make lots of mistakes while they're young, because that is the absolute best way to learn is through experience. The price tag is a lot smaller now than it will be later in life. So if we allow them to have more choices, more opportunities to actually make mistakes while they're young, the consequences aren't as bad as when they're out in the real world, you know? I'm getting better about this um, because like Crystal's helped me a lot. So I would be so hard on my kids if they made mistakes, like mistakes were unacceptable. These are things that are, you know, these are avoidable things. You know, if we can avoid it, we avoid it with intelligence. And I just had this horrible, um, arrogant posture towards accidents and mistakes. And, and I really regret it now. And I could see it for what it was. 
Um, but I, I know now that even though I tell my kids not to do these things or those things, or I, I might tell my daughter, don't, I don't want you to do this with boys or that with boys. I, I know that it's her life and I know that she's going to make mistakes and, and that's the only way she learns. So I'm just in a much better place around all of this. Uh, and it feels really good. Um, I'm hoping my kids don't make any mistakes with really big, but I mean, I think we've raised them right. You know, I think we've made, raised them with good values, morals, principles. I, I try to forewarn them about things, you know. I, I, one example is I'll tell my daughter stuff like, uh, you know, hey, just so you know, I, I know you wouldn't steal, um, you, you know, you, you wouldn't steal from a store or whatnot. But, uh, you know, if, if you ever did get caught stealing, here's the, the consequences of that. And if you ever, one of your friends stole and you were with your friends in a store and one of your friends stole, you're kind of guilty by association. So, and I kind of teach her, uh, what that looks like and what the, the consequence with, for that would be. And I, I, do, I do this more in a loving way in a non-threatening way. Um, and I think the Mormon me was just very, just a hardliner, you know? And, and if I, my daughter got caught stealing, guess what? I'm not going to kill her for it because I stole. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I, I'm just, I'm just getting better about this stuff. It feels really good. I, I'm not like saying I'm the best dad in the world, but I, I think you. <laughs> I, I I have a ways to go, but I feel progress. Like a, progress feels good. Like when you exercise, nothing feels so good as seeing change in your body. You know, all of a sudden you go, "Oh, these pants are fitting better. Oh my gosh, my abs are starting to come out. Wow, I, I actually am building some endurance. I can go longer, uh, further." And, and that's kind of how I feel about my parenting. It's been very rewarding for me. Uh, I hope that doesn't sound like I'm bragging. It feels no. really good. Oh, yeah. I do. I love seeing the progress in ourselves and the, the reward of our progress and the shifts that we've been making because our we do see uh, the shift in our kids. And I love um, having more open conversations and having less um, judgments around certain things, you know, like, I don't know, just a lot of different things, you know, that will come up in conversation or Oliver will say something. And me as a Mormon... I, I always think, oh my gosh, I would have been so against him talking about that or we don't talk about that. You know, like I, I know that there's so many different things that uh, I can remember back just a few years ago. I'd always be like uh, shy away from certain things and tell our kids not to talk a certain way or not say that. Don't don't do that. You know, and it's just like, what? Why? <laughs> you know, and now we can just actually take a look at it from a different perspective and be like, wait, why it, yeah. are we so against talking that way or about that, you know? More recently, um, I think Crystal and I both together realized that we we were kind of, um, we, we weren't cutting Lily enough slack. You know, these kids have it really hard, guys. Um, scholastically, have you tried to help your teens with homework lately? Like, it sucks. Like, this, the schoolwork you're having them do is far more difficult than when we were in school it it's like ridiculous and my daughter is trying her best and the stuff is so hard that I can't even help her I can't help her I mean I'd have to be like a college professor to figure out the math she's doing and 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 so they're going through a lot not only that like I've learned that these teen years 13 14 15 until they get a car they're such a if you allow them to be viewed as a nuisance they'll be a nuisance to you because you don't know where to put them. Teenagers, you don't know where to put them. You don't know what to do with them. They're in big groups all the time. They're always hungry. They always want to go here, go there. And if you don't have the right mentality 
during that phase of life, you're going to forge some enemies. And I do, Crystal and I just kind of had this heart to heart. We took inventory. We're like, do you think that her and her friends feel like we love them? Or do we, we always act irritated when they're here? <laughs> <laughs> Both of us. God damn it. Um, do you know, because there's, there are days where it can be hard and, and so that's just being human. Like we're just being real, like they can be a pain in the ass, but like we want them to feel welcome. We want them to feel loved. We want them to feel cherished. We want them to feel like they are liked, not just loved, but liked. <laughs> so we're, we're working on that too. Um, and that's cool. Cause if, when they feel like that, they're happier and uh, like this, this message here, um, same message in the group. And she talks about, again, now she's referring to her being a teen. Now, I wanted to preface by saying that I saw someone post recently that the reason that teen suicide is so high in Utah is because of elevation. I want to tell you something. That is bullshit. That's my favorite word now. That's bullshit. Because I know the stress that these poor kids are under in, in the Mormon church. Now, add the stress of the Mormon church. On top of that, add in the stress of school. These, oh my gosh, these kids, it's not fair what they have these kids doing in school. So much homework, such little sleep. Anyway, she says here, uh, during my teen years, I had so much anxiety and depression caused from the continual pressure to self-betray and to choose surviving in my family and community over what I knew in my heart was right. I can resonate with that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. what's right in this community, what's right in my family, what's right in this church versus what feels right. Yeah. And we, gosh darn it, these kids are under so much pressure we need to be their friends, their advocates. We need to be, like Crystal said, their guides. I used to think, oh, I'm your parent first. Rawr, 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 rawr. It's like, man, you were you were their parent till they're eight. Now stop it. Mm-hmm. Now help them, guide yeah. them, love them. Yeah, and I think that one thing that we never learned how to do, like you said, in the Mormon church is learn to listen to our own inner voice. You know, if you're taught that the prophet has the keys and, you know, you got to listen to the prophet, follow the prophet, then you're taught to look outwardly, look towards someone else to give you all your answers instead of look inwardly. And I think that we can unintentionally do that in our parenting if we don't, if we're not aware that we don't allow them to make their own choices, to make mistakes. We're telling them what they need to do and should do. But I think uh, I wanted to finish off uh, by reading the last few points that that I wrote down. She says to... Um, Yeah, allow them to make lots of mistakes, help them solve things for themselves instead of always wanting to jump in and solve their problems. Let them think for themselves by asking them lots of questions about their choices that they're making. So you allow them to make their choices and then you ask them lots of questions because you're helping them think for themselves. You let them learn from their choices within our parameters like we discussed let them solve their own problems we can offer suggestions and we op- offer empathy and understanding not lecturing then we become their ally and not their enemy so i think that one of the the best gifts the the best ways we can teach our children is of course through example but also being that guide and that encourager of 
helping them figure out how to listen to themselves, how to listen to their own authority and maintain their own power and not always looking outwardly at what's everybody else doing? What is the, you know, like for me, what does the scripture say? What does the prophet say about this? You know, like I never knew my entire life to just think for myself and ask myself. I always thought I had to constantly pray, 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 search scriptures and search conference talks, trying to find the answers to confirm my very own choice. And I hated feeling that. It was so stressful all the time, feeling like I couldn't just make a choice and feel good about it. I had to battle internally about, is this right? Uh, should I be doing this? I don't, re- I, ha- I haven't found a scripture yet that confirmed this or validates this choice, you know, and it's a very stressful way to live. This is funny, prayer. <laughs> yeah. So this woman, she sent me a message recently on Instagram or YouTube, I can't remember, but she said, oh, Sean, please come back to the church. I just know in my heart, it's not too late for you. If you will just pray, I know that God will answer you and forgive you, and you'll be welcome back. And then I read that, and I was like, what the hell was that? So I wrote her back, and I says, I was praying to the Mormon God for 30-somewhat years, and he never listened to me, and I never heard back from that misogynistic God. I says, what makes you think he's going to answer me now? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It is funny when you get those comments like, you know, like, this is the only way, like, people still telling us how we should live. And now being out for so long, it's just kind of silly to me to think they think that they know us and what we should do. And how funny is that, that we thought for so many years that the prophet knows best for us. And, you know, the scriptures, like, it's like written, you know, all those years back and we think that it applies to our lives now and to us personally we have to find our answers in the scriptures i always thought it was so funny when people would say i just read you know i found my answer in the scriptures i would pray and pray and then i opened up the scriptures to this page and i found my answer and i'm like huh (laughs) like that that doesn't make any sense (laughs) i saw this quote it was a meme and it was of jesus and he was hugging someone and and below the picture was a picture of like a starving child in Africa, sad, you know, but above the picture was this Caucasian person hugging Jesus and saying, thank you. Thank you so much. You loved me so much. You would even answer my prayers when I lost my keys. <laughs> and right below it's a starving child. Yeah. It's just that puts, puts things into perspective. Like, <laughs> okay, there's much bigger issues here like (laughs) why aren't we getting answers to that (laughs) anyway those are the things that I wanted to share do you have anything else you want to add I love being a dad like it's hard I want to like I don't think I would ever acknowledge that before I would I always want to be that good Mormon dad that was like being a dad is the best it's the best I love every minute of it there's some really hard parts and I see that now and I can acknowledge that now um Parenting will teach you more about yourself than any book. Um, If you're observant, parenting, your kids will call you out on your shit. Like my daughter Lily has gotten to a place and it's amazing because she'll fire back at me. And every now and then she fires back. And if she fired back at me, you know, back when, I would just snap and be like, go to your room. You never get your phone again. But now she fires back at me and I observe it and I 
process it. And a lot of times I'm like, holy shit, she's right. <laughs> she's right about me. Yeah, the whole arguing thing. I just remember feeling so like, you can't argue and getting so frustrated and feeling like this is like one of the Ten Commandments. You are supposed to honor your father and your mother. Like that is so disrespectful to argue. But I'm like, wait, what is what message are we <laughs> implying to our children by saying you are not allowed to argue with us? It's like you you basically you don't have a voice. We're not going to listen to you. We're smarter than you. You don't know what you're talking about. It's like, wow. <laughs> now looking back, I'm like, oh, man, I don't know if that's <laughs> the right approach. <laughs> anyway have fun with your kids be friends with your kids do things with your kids um you know that whole dynamic of parent child uh hierarchy let let it go throw it out the window you know be their guide and and be their friend um i'm so with it and i so love it uh it doesn't mean that you aren't you know more evolved than them in this life you are uh but that doesn't that that shouldn't affect the way you treat them you see Posture yourself as, hey, I'm going to, my goal in life is to have this person, this little soul exceed me. And if you take that approach of my goal is to give you everything I know and to help you and and to everything that's served me in my life, I'm going to impart it upon you and and I'm just going to be that mentor and that guide for you. I see it too much when parents, kids turn 18, which is not an adult, guys, if we're being truthful. It's not an adult, and that's still a really hard time of life, but I see it where these parents, because the government decided that 18 is an adult, that they just pretty much wash their hands of them, and it's something that I'm passionate about, because my parents continued to mentor me, and as much as I would ask for their guidance and their support and their, uh, you know, their mentorship, they would give it to me, and I, I don't see that a lot. I see most parents like, you're 18 now, goodbye, and you know. Now I'm now I'm my my work is done here. Mm-hmm. That's sad. Yeah. Like treat them like you know you want them to exceed you. I I think that would be my passion around parenting. Give them your time. I told Crystal recently we decided to have these kids, but I just wanted a cute little baby to like play with and gaga goo goo and, <laughs> and that would love me. <laughs> and now they like don't now Lily like they want to be gone all the time and. And they just want some money and, they, you know, and like, I can't even get them to spend time with me. But, you know, did I sign up for that? Y- yeah, I guess so. But uh, I think that that's just part of the process. And, and what can we learn from all of this? It's b- being a parent, I promise you, is the ultimate learning opportunity. It is the ultimate learning opportunity. Real quick, do you have to teach them about Jesus do you have to teach them about, you know, the Bible? Do you have to do this? Do you have to do that? I think that's just up to each individual. Crystal and I are taking this approach of, uh, because we see Jesus in a certain way, and so we're just kind of imparting our opinion on our children. We're not being forceful with it. Christmas is more fun. I'll just say that. <laughs> Christmas is a lot more fun now because we're not those Mormon people that are like, well, by the way, you shouldn't be enjoying this. Yeah. You know, like... <laughs> Yeah, so true. That reminds me of the last thing I wanted to say is the whole pressure that uh, as as parents in in, uh, in Mormonism, I felt tremendous pressure that our job was to raise these perfect children and they were supposed to fall in line. Like I just always envisioned like my kids are going to be the best. They're going to like 
they're not going to have any issues. They're all going to go on missions. They're all going to get married in the temple. And it just felt like so, that's heavy. That's a lot of pressure to put that kind of, uh, have that kind of expectation for yourself and for your children. And now I'm realizing that it's, it, not only is it amazing to throw out all the pressure, but I'm also realizing that there is no right or wrong way to do life. You know, like I have no, absolutely no expectation of the way my children are going to turn out because there's no right or wrong way. Like I just want them to experience their life. And I know that everything that they experience, they're going to learn from. And yeah, so I just want to have that kind of approach with the way I parent. And it feels nice to no longer have that pressure and, and to have the pressure around teaching our kids about Christ around Christmas and um, trying to force them to not love getting gifts. And <laughs> Christmas is not about getting all these gifts, okay? Like it's about Christ and all that. So it feels nice to be like, it's okay. Enjoy your gifts. Like, this is fun. Who cares? Like, let's yeah. just enjoy it. <laughs> so it's funny because you're just like making me smile and laugh because um, appreciate your kids' personalities. They're going to be different than yours oftentimes. Some things are going to be the same, but, you know, like Lily, I was in the car uh, a couple of days ago with Lily and we were driving somewhere and I looked at her and I was like, you know what? Um, you and I will always be close. And I was like, because we understand each other, we get each other. We, we kind of get our, our vibe, you know, I get her, she gets me. We're a lot alike that way. But I says, you're always going to need your mom. You're always going to want your mom. You're always going to just be crazy about your mother. And she, and, and I said, you know why? Because uh, the same reason I'm crazy about your mom, how good your mom is for me. You know, she makes me happy. She makes me feel good. And I says, you know, you and I, and I said it in all seriousness, and it was funny because she just busted up laughing. I was like, people like us, you know, we can get drab and just ornery and negative. And, you know, we can just like, she just busts up laughing. She thought that was the funniest thing. Because she, <laughs> <laughs> she knows it's true, you know? Like, there's certain personalities, and you'd swear that you got your Tiggers out there and you got your Eeyores, <laughs> right? And I have had to, in my life, I've had to, try make an effort because if i was just you know normal sean i ain't, i ain't that talkative and i'm not i'm not really all that concerned about what people think of me and there's all kinds of things about me that are just like whatever but i've learned in my life that you know certain things serve me at certain times and and uh so for lily she's the same way it's like we've had to teach her that you know enthusiasm enthusiasm is a, a wonderful trait to learn. Uh, and to employ that, it makes people, it's contagious, it's infectious, it attracts people to you. It's true. Mm -hmm. These are like real life principles. <laughs> yeah. And so, but it was funny because at the inherent self, the, you know, the real you, like the, the shell <laughs> that you're born with, I'm like, yeah, you know, you and me, we can be real negative and drab and boring. <laughs> she just laughed like she thought that was so funny. She knows it's true. I could say it to her face right now. She'd, she'd crack up. I know it's true about me. <laughs> but I love the way that you express that because that probably made her feel like, oh, well, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with me. I can be this way. There, that doesn't mean anything negative about me. Like, it's no. okay. Like, I like that you can just say it in that way. No. Lily's never been, just like you always come to Oliver's defense because he's like you. <laughs> and he's so sensitive. So if I look at him and I'll be like, 
goodness gracious, like, who are you? Like, why are you so damn sensitive? <laughs> and uh, Crystal will just rush to his defense, like, don't you say that to him. Well, Lily's the same. Like, Lily will never get in trouble for, for being too quiet. Because I'm like, leave her alone. Let her think. Let her process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's so So true. with that said, learning about behavioral types and personalities, color codes and stuff is very beneficial in parenting. Yeah. I don't know. Just let's let's have more fun, guys. Have fun with your kids. Let's have more fun. That's how I want to close. More fun. John DeLynn, when he talked on the stage at the, the conference, he says, have some fun. Yes. Have some yes. fun. <laughs> you know, he's like, if you can't figure out something to do, then just have some fun. Yeah. And and I, I agree. Like this faith transition crisis can be so damn frustrating and infuriating and just have some fun. Do yeah. do some fun things with your kids. Have some fun. Laugh your asses off. Enjoy yourselves. Mm-hmm. Spend some money. You deserve it. Go on a vacation. Just have some fun with your kids. If you can just do one thing for your kids, it would just be to have fun, like you said. Just spend lots of time with them and let them know they're loved. And if that's all you're able to do, then that's enough. You know, I think it we feel this pressure as parents that we're supposed to teach them everything, you know, like they need to know everything. We got to do these family home evening lessons. We got to read these books with them. And, but what if we just let all that go and accepted and allowed them to learn from our example and we just have fun with them. Like two things, they will learn from our example and just love them and have fun with them. Yeah. Yeah, go on trips because um, that's the thing that I've learned is is uh, we didn't go on a lot of trips when I was growing up because we didn't have a lot of money, expendable money. My parents worked their asses off all the time. Um, but ki- kids don't remember what you give them. They, they ask, ask kids to rattle off what they got for Christmas when they were 10, 11, 12, 13. You know, they don't remember, especially don't remember before 10, 10 years old. But if you ask them about, tell you about vacations you took, took them on, Watch those memories come flooding back. And and so I, I learned that from a friend of mine who is a very abundant-minded, and he was actually raised by a man who owned a, a timeshare a travel agency. And they went on all kinds of trips growing up. And that was his mantra. That was his whole thing is kids remember time spent together. They don't remember the iPhone X you got them. It's not, I mean, yeah, they might cry when they get it, but... And I doubt they ever remember all the family home evening lessons and scripture study you ever did with your kids. <laughs> oh, no. They'll remember the trauma. <laughs> yeah. They'll, yeah. They'll remember those traumatic scars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, this is great, guys. I, I feel very positive. I, I feel I feel things shifting for me. I hope you do for you. Um, all in the way of positivity and growth. And, uh, you know, it's just really exciting. All right. Thanks guys for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Wannabe Balanced podcast. Get access to free resources available at wannabebalanced.com. If you love the show, then leave a review or share it with a friend. Until next week.